Hey guys, what is happening? Welcome back to the show. This is Creating Space and I'm your host, Wes Knight. We are plus 20 episodes now. We're on episode 21 and this episode is a powerful one, a massively powerful episode, a story about survival. This is Heather Keats Wright's story with her battle with breast cancer. And we all know that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And my grandmother is a survivor twice. So this is very valuable. This is very important to me. And this story is one of victory. And we need to celebrate victories more often. Heather Keats Wright is a warrior. She's a fierce individual and she's a survivor. Faith, not fear, is her initiative. And She's got one hell of a story. Let's dive right into that story right now. You are a breast cancer survivor. I am. And that is, uh, my, my grandmother is a breast cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hits very close to home mm-hmm. with me. She actually beat it twice. I can remember very vividly going to see her in the hospital, and, mm-hmm. and she just had this, she was always a fighter. I mean, yeah. she, she did sales in the mill industry or textiles. Mm-hmm. So she had this aura about her. She could exist in a male dominated field no, uh, say, and she yeah. was fiery. Her and the guys. Yep. Sure. She was fiery. And it's funny, Max is a player of mine and Max one day when we were chatting, I, I you know, asked him about you. And I said, what, what would you give me one sentence to describe your mother? Mm-hmm. He's like, man, she is the best mom. She's so loving when she's at home. Oh but gosh, when I see, I'm going to cry. <laughs> but when I see her, I went one day with her to work and, oh, she's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, she's a beast. Yeah. I, I'd never have seen that side of my mom. So my question to you, what is it like sitting in that doctor's office mm-hmm. and the doctor comes in and he says to you, you have you have cancer. What is what did, what did you feel immediately? Can you think back to that moment and mm-hmm. what, what was that feeling like? Yeah. So it wasn't, um, I think that's one of the things that I like talking about the most, the moment, Okay. because I think that's one of the things that people are most fearful of. And my mission when I talk about beating breast cancer, battling breast cancer is, um, to take the fear out of it all, right? So the year after, you know, I went through all my treatment, we, uh, myself and a friend of mine formed a team for the American Cancer Society. And um, in year number two, I named the team Faith Not Fear, hashtag Faith Not Fear, because anybody who believes in God, knows God and loves God, knows that you can't have both. Both things can't occupy the same space. You have to choose, right? Faith or fear. So I like talking about that moment because that's the moment that people fear the most. Nobody wants to hear those words, right? Right. Male, female, whatever. Nobody wants a doctor to say you have cancer. And so what I like to talk about is the fact that that's actually a misconception. Okay. Oftentimes, and in my case, there's no one moment when somebody sat me down like in the soap operas and said, right. you have cancer. That's not, that wasn't how it happened for me. Okay. Um, so I'll tell you the whole story. I, um, Mark and I were um, relaxing at home. We're laying down watching TV and um, we have, this is the weirdest thing. And now that I think about it, I don't think we've ever done this since then. So we were laying down in the bed. It's not going to be sexy or anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> very boring, actually. We were literally actually Immediately the TV. audience started perking up. I know, up. they tuned in. They were like, what, what, get it? No, nope, we were literally So this watching. is what content is. <laughs> exactly. All right, content. Engagement. Um, <laughs> we were literally watching TV. And I was on his side of the bed, and he was on my side of the bed. So automatically, that's not that wasn't usual. That's not how we normally are. And so because I was on his side, I was laying on my, what's this, right side. And um, I kind of had my hand across my body like this and my arm resting under my left arm, my hand re resting under my left arm. And that's when I felt something under my left arm. Okay. And the other question I get all the time is, what does it feel like? Is it, what, how do you know? So it does feel like a lump, and I don't know if this is the case with all tumors, but when I felt something under my arm, it felt hard like a rock. Okay. Like there was a rock under my skin. Right. And I was like, that is not right. And so I said to Mark, I was like, huh. I was like, do you feel this? And uh, I sort of guided his hand to where it was, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's that's not right. And so I said, um Okay. And if I'm honest with myself, I probably knew it was cancer then. You that moment. Yeah. Because it was abnormal. And one of the other things that I always say to women, to anybody but to women especially is know your body. Right. We do know our bodies, but you need to know your body intimately. Okay. That may sound a little sexy, but that's important information. You need to know every square inch of your body sure what it feels like what it looks like in the mirror and the challenge for us is that sometimes we don't want to look in yeah. the mirror we don't want to look at ourselves i don't like my nose i don't like this i don't like that i don't like my weight so we shy away from that um but i would encourage every woman out there to know herself intimately know what you feel like everywhere okay right sure um that can lead to all sorts of things. I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> Engagement. <laughs> Engagement. Um, know yourself intimately because I knew when I felt it that it didn't feel right. So Mark confirmed it. He was my second opinion. And I didn't get nervous until he said to me, he got very serious, and he said, um, I said, oh, I have an appointment next week with the doctor. I actually did have a mammogram that next week. Sure. And I was like, I have a mammogram next week. I will, I'll just ask him about it then. And he was like, mm, you, sh you probably shouldn't wait. Yeah, no. And I was like, and that's what made me nervous. Right. When he was like, you probably shouldn't wait. I was like, yeah, right. I shouldn't wait. So I was like, I'll call him tomorrow. So I did. I went the very next day. I called my doctor. I said, I feel something and I want you to look at it. And he's like, come right, right now. Right. Which was amazing. I don't know if everybody has that experience. I know that, um, well, I know everybody doesn't have that experience because especially women of color, especially black women, we don't have that experience. Um, wow. I was able to call my doctor immediately and say, this is happening. And he said, come in. But the reality is most black women who experience breast cancer, we um, are diagnosed at a later stage, which means we are diagnosed with more severe or more progressed breast cancer. Okay. And that decreases our chances of survival. Wow. So... But for me, I was able to go in, and sure enough, they did a biopsy. They, they saw it, and I also knew another confirmation for me was when the, um, the nurse who did the biopsy said to me, oh, yeah, we did an ultrasound, and we can see it. And she said, 
we're going to do a biopsy because normally sometimes women come in and it's just a cyst, right? So you're nervous, but it's a cyst. And she said, I know this is not a cyst because a cyst usually has fluid or water around it, and this one doesn't, so we're going to do a biopsy. Okay. And that was confirmation for me again. Sure. I was like, okay, well, you basically just told me that that was not a cyst. Sure. Um, so I kind of knew it then. They did the biopsy, and then I needed to wait for those results. And I said, okay, um, come back. We'll call you tomorrow. So the next day I had gone to my Greensboro office to work, and as usual I had meetings all day, and I saw that the doctor's office had called me, but I was in a meeting, so I couldn't take the call. And then they called me again like 15 minutes later, and I didn't take the call. Second time, I knew. Again, that, that probably was the third bit of confirmation I needed. Right. So then they called again. So I took the call, and they said, we have the results of your biopsy. We want you to come in. And if it was nothing, they wouldn't have said, we sure. want you to come in. So I say all that to say I knew. So there was no moment of you have cancer. Got it. So this fear that people have of that moment is somewhat unrealistic right. because it's a gradual thing. Um, if you're paying to attention to your health, if you're diligent about it, if you have access to health care, it can be a gradual thing. Sure. So you're a, you're a creative. You find ideas. You solve problems. You look for the why. You look for the problem, the chicken Right. So I'm sure immediately when you get told or when you have confirmation and now there's sort of a plan that starts to get in place, of course, you're, you're choosing to fight. You're a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're, you're putting the pieces of the puzzle together so that your family is, is taken care of. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But what's going on inside that same mind that's brilliant and can create things? What's going on in there? Yeah. Are you doubting yourself? It, do you really have faith over fear? Or are you thinking, I don't know what this is what this is going to be like, and I don't know if I'm ready for this. Does yeah. life prepare you for cancer? That's a good question. I suppose for some people, their their lives do, and for some people, their lives don't. I I never had any kind of moment or epiphany where I thought, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to beat this. It was for me, and this probably is how my mind works, it was like, I need to get more information. Okay. Um, I would like to have as much information as I can at all times for all decisions. I'm a researcher. I use the Google. Um, <laughs> Googly. I did. I didn't use it so much for this because that was immediately one of the things that they said is, you know, whatever you do, for God's sake, don't go on the internet. Yeah. Don't and go down the rabbit hole. Much later, I did go on the internet, and I realized why. Because it was like after breast cancer, I diagnosed myself with like malaria and Legionnaire's disease. I was like, I think I have this too. Um, so I just needed the information. And there's, it's like I said, it's a process. I had a series of meetings. Um, the hospital here is great. Um, Caramount Regional Medical Center, because they had this thing at the time, I don't know if they still do, which was like they call it a breast clinic. So all of the doctors or professionals that you need to see as you're getting information about your diagnosis they're all there that day. Okay. And so you get to see them all at one shot instead of going back for this appointment and that appointment and that appointment. So I saw them all and they all looked at my case and they all talked about my case and they all talked about a course of treatment. Again, that's not something that a lot of people have access to. So it was a blessing. Um, What was going through my mind was that I just need this information. Um, And it was a while before I told people, Mark and I did the information gathering portion of it together. Okay. Okay. He was, I now know, um, 
just not focused because he was reeling from sure. the news. Sure. But at the time, I thought he was very engaged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, look at he's He gets it. He's taking it all in. But if you hear him tell his side of the story, it was a whirlwind. It was like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. All he could focus on was my wife has cancer. Right. Um, so I got all the information I needed. And then we began to tell people, this is what's happening. This is what I know about it. This is what I know about the treatment. And this is what I'm going to do. Got it. And so then probably after that, there was a lot of, okay, I can do this. Gotcha. So I've got all the information I know Mm -hmm. now. The steps are in place. I'm individually managing my brand here as I tell people. (laughs) So this is, this is a part of you. Right. Um, So much strategy behind that because you don't want uh, it to uh, have any sort of negative connotation on you. You're a strong woman. Right. That's very obvious. Right, right, right. So, So here we are talking about redirecting paths okay mm-hmm. so now the new path is chemo mm-hmm. right radiation no radiation did you do any radiation i didn't so okay. i did surgery uh chemotherapy okay um and uh, a hysterectomy on the other side so i call that the total package wow um i opted not to have radiation so what i do know is that my doctors my breast surgeon the radiation oncologist and my um, oncologist they all got together and they said, you can do a couple of different things here. Um, if you take this course of treatment, this will give you the, um, the smallest chance of recurrence. So I took the path with the smallest chance of recurrence. Okay. And that was um, surgery, a double mastectomy. Okay. Reconstructive surgery. Okay. Chemotherapy. Okay. Um, I could have had a lumpectomy. And radiation and chemotherapy. Personally, I did not want the radiation, so I chose not to do that. Um, a double mastectomy is a hard thing for people to understand. Why would you do that? Um, the tumor that I had was the size of, they tell me it was the size of a plain M&M, okay. um, which is relatively small, but it was beginning to spread to my lymph nodes. So it had infected, I think they removed 14 lymph nodes in my left um, arm, underarm area, and it had spread to two. Okay. And I remember saying to my breast surgeon, okay, is that bad? She's like, well, it's not good. Sure. (laughs) We'd rather it be zero. Right. But two is not 14. Sure. Right. So So what I know is that I had a small tumor, but I had cancer that was spreading to my lymph nodes. So Got rid of those, and I made it so that it would not come back. Got it. That's what I wanted. Um, with radiation, some people choose that. I understand that. For me personally, I I did not want the radiation to cause cancer in me because radiation does. Sure. Um, so I chose surgery. And chemotherapy. And surgery in any capacity is never easy. Right. That's and a tough major moment. surgery. Major, major, major sure. Yep. Multiple major Multiple. surgeries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, when I, and this is no comparison, it will never mm-hmm. be a comparison, mm-hmm. but anytime you, you have foreign objects coming in or out of your body, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it takes time to adjust. Yeah. And it's not easy for go-getters, type A personalities to sit in, lay in bed or go right. through any kind of recovery, chemotherapy. I had some low moments associated with mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. Did you share any low? Did you did you get to any low places? I did. I think during the um, so it wasn't so much the the surgery or the chemo. It was the recovery from the surgery. Mm. It's those are the moments, and I I say I look like Frankenstein because I'll get I'll give detail here. This is another reason why I 
do it and why I talk about it because, again, it takes the fear out of it for people. So the reconstructive surgery I had was called a tram flap. So they literally... So if you imagine your six-pack, you see my six-pack, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Killing <laughs> if it. If you imagine the six-pack, they take the bottom two muscles, and they use that as part of your reconstruction. Okay. So they literally um, detach it from where it is, and excuse me, and um, they, use, they move it up inside your body, under your skin, to wow. use that <laughs> wow. um, to rebuild your breasts okay. after your, all of your breast tissue has removed. And a lot of people don't know, a lot of women don't know, how big an area your breast tissue actually covers. So it's not just here in front, right. it's here under your arms, all that kind of stuff. And that's actually where my tumor was found under my arm at the very beginning of the breast tissue. I remember my surgeon said to me, one of the things that she said that I always tell women is that, so I found the, the lump myself and she said, thank goodness you found that because I would not have seen that on a mammogram. Right. That's how far back it was. The mammogram only does this, sure. like the front and sure, the front. Sure, sure. The tumor I had was way back under my armpit. So removing all of the breast tissue for reconstructive surgery, it's a lot of tissue to remove. Yeah. They remove I had to remove both sides. Um they examined both sides to see if cancer had spread to the right side. It had not. Um so we removed all of that breast tissue. When I say we, I don't mean me, I was asleep. And they use the lower two muscles and they bring it up and they rebuild your breast that way. Um, and that's major surgery. Major. That's like major, major surgery. I think it took, although it, it, they, it took about four hours. I All of your said. torso is involved in that. <laughs> yeah. I can't yes. imagine the pain associated with that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a morphine drip. That was nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> so afterwards, but yeah, it was, it was a big deal and the healing, takes a long time and you're hooked up to tubes that are um, with drains that are draining the fluid that builds up anytime you you um, have that kind of trauma done to your body there's a buildup of fluid and it was a lot of fluid that needed to exit my body so yeah. I was hooked up to four drains and that takes a really long time your body heals everybody's body heals at a different time so I had mine probably for about three weeks um, so walking around even with these tubes and drains, for, for that amount of time, it was like, that probably was the lowest moment. Because again, going back to looking at yourself in the mirror, that was hard. Um, I had uh, locks at the time. And so I did the surgery first. And then you have to wait before you can start the, the chemo. Um, I had long locks at the time, but I knew that I would be losing them. So I cut them short. So I just didn't look like myself Sure. when I looked in the mirror. Um and I just, I looked like Frankenstein. Yeah, Like yeah, somebody yeah. had pieced me back together. When, because actually they did. They did. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. really did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're, 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 you're in an immense amount of pain, but you're, you've got it managed. Mm-hmm. There's, for me, the support system began, I had to start with myself. I didn't mm-hmm. have a family around me. I had to start right. with myself. So the journaling was really therapeutic right. for me. Right. Um, you had a family and a support mm-hmm. group right there, ready to, to help, um, what what part of their help was really intricate to your recovery? Yeah. You know, because it, it, you can't qua- quantify that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did they How did they give you strength? Was it little things just coming around, or was it being able to see their love and support yeah. for you? And I mean, what what was a part of that that really gave you some strength? It was all. It was all of it. I mean, you know, I definitely 
dealt with it differently than Mark did. I had to take matters into my own hands in, in terms of telling people. Right. So that was one of the hard things is that having to tell people over and over. So I told key people. I told my sister first. Okay. And my sister is actually um, a, uh, um, a cancer uh, analyst. She works in, in cancer analytics, so helping to keep track of um, cancer and cancer patients for the state of Georgia. Okay. She knows a lot. She knows a lot about a lot of types of cancer. She knows right. a lot about recovery rates. She knows a lot about the course of treatment. She has friends and colleagues who are in the medical profession and deal, deal with this every day. And so, of course, I, I picked up the phone thinking, oh, I'm going to tell her what's going on. And she's going to say this, that, and the other thing. And she's going to tell me what to do. She's going to tell me what questions to ask. And I called her, and she lost it. So I was like, oh. This is not happening right now. I didn't expect this. I did not expect this. Right. And I told her, I was like, oh, no, no. You need to get it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need to get it together right now or I'm hanging up the phone. Sure. And she did. She pulled it together. And she's like me. She's like, okay, these are the things you need to ask. These are the things you need to know. And I was like, that I can deal with. I can't deal with the other thing. So we got through that. And I didn't, I thought, you know, that first call was hard. I wonder what the rest of them are going to be like. Next, I told my mother, who at the time was dealing with her own cancer diagnosis. She and I were diagnosed with cancer a week apart. Wow. My mother was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. And so then I get my diagnosis. And um, my, my sister and my cousin were here at the time dealing with my mom in this diagnosis. And uh, I, it for me, it it honestly was like, you know what? We just need to rip the Band-Aid off. We got to tell her. Because yeah. I can't not tell her. Sure. She's going to know. So we actually went through treatment together, my mother and I. My mother passed away from her cancer diagnosis in October a couple months ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, but she, we, I remember that day. We just had to tell her. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I remember it because she, she didn't break down. She did for a second, for a mm. split second. Okay. She kind of like closed her eyes and she got very weak. But then like a minute later, she's like, what do we need to do? So that's just how we do. That's, that's that fire. Yeah. Yeah. And that's now I know I knew before, but that's, that's where I get it from. So my sister get, gets it from, you have your moment and just yeah, like yeah. in life, feel it for a second, take your moment and then get it together. Don't wallow in it. No. Cause so it's I a never, decision, isn't it? Yeah. You can decide to have fear or you can decide That's to right. have faith. That's right. But you it's a little, it, you can't, you can either do, have a positive or negative yeah. reaction, but it's your choice. Yeah. For it's sure. your choice. And I know a lot of people don't have that and a lot of people have a different pathway. Sure. And I really do believe that there is a moment shortly after the trauma where you make a decision. Got it. And I pray for people going through that, whatever the trauma is, because you have a limited window of time where you decide. I'm going to get my act together. I believe in my God and in myself. Yeah. And I can do this. Yeah. Or you're going to sit there for a minute. Fight or flight. Right. Fight That's or true. flight. That's true. Tell me this. Yeah. So the Heather Keats right the day of having the confirmation of cancer mm-hmm. and the Heather Keats right the day after or the one sitting in front of me right now. Yeah. The one sitting in front of me right now has changed immensely. I'm sure cancer teaches you a lot about yourself and the individuals who are important in your life. And tell me a couple of things that you realize through cancer that you see as a huge blessing that that mm-hmm. that struggle taught you. Yeah, 
I mean, there's so many things. I'll, I'll try to remember them all and I'll try to be succinct. But one thing that's important to me, we started talking about this in the beginning, is being down here in the South. Never, ever thought in a million years that I would move down South. Yeah. Um, Jersey girl, born and raised. I never thought I would live anywhere except outside of New York City. Right. And even after when we got here, I thought we were going to go back. It was not until I went through the um, treatment that I realized that I needed to be here. The people down here, Southern hospitality is real. It's real. It's a real thing. And it's something that we, as a people, black people, all people have gotten away from, which is the care of other people. Mm. And one of the things that happened to me and to us, um, Mark and I wrote an article about it for Essence Magazine, but he, it took him a long time to come to grips with the reality of what was happening. And so, so much so that he was paralyzed by indecision. So one of the things that was hard for us was telling people. So I told you about telling my sister and my mother, but I had to tell a lot of people. I had yeah. to tell my coworkers. I had to tell my neighbors. I had to tell the kids' teachers. I had to tell strangers in the street because when they see you with no hair, um, people automatically think you're dying. Right. So that act of telling people was something that Mark was not good at and didn't want to deal with. So for a long time, we didn't tell any. he didn't tell anybody. And I kept saying, we have to tell people because we're going to need help. There's going to come a time when I can't pick up the kids, when I sure. can't work, and you can't do everything. And I had family here, but they couldn't. everybody couldn't be everywhere. Um, he's like, all right, I'm going to tell. I was like, I would say to him, did you tell Steve? Did you tell your best friend? Did you tell Biko? Did you tell Keith? Did you tell? No, no, no. I'm like, Jesus Christ, when's he going to tell people? Yeah. So I finally had to start telling people literally right before treatment started because I needed the help. So I told my neighbors, I told the other moms, the soccer moms that I know, I'm going to need you to pick up Max for practice. Um, would you mind actually getting dinner? And then once I told, no knock against men, but once I told a few women, it was done. I had the sign-up sheet for the dinners. I had the rides for the school. Wow. And, talk, and I had people coming out of the woodwork. And I do believe this is a Southern thing. I don't think it's... Um, uh, this wouldn't have happened in New Jersey. I don't Jersey. think so. I love okay. New Jersey. I really do. But I'm telling you now, this would not have happened in New Jersey. I had people coming out of the woodwork awesome. to help me. Strangers. One one woman I had not even spoken to ever showed up at my door with dinner. That gives me chills. You know, I had people saying, coming to pick the boys up, saying, um, don't worry. Don't get up. I'm going to take them um, out to, to the park and to get ice cream. I'll bring them back later. Yeah. That was everything. Wow. That was everything. Wow. So I get joked up about it. That's an ex that's an extremely powerful notion and um, it service. Yeah, service. Yeah, people showed up. Service. They showed up and uh, and that that was when we decided we were going to stay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were going to stay down south because that made the difference. And this is where I want to raise my kids. Yeah. I still have a lot of people from New York and New Jersey saying, "How could you live down there, especially now? Sure, right, with everything sure. going on." How could you live down there? You got to get out of there. And the thing I want people to know is that whatever you're thinking happens down here is happening where you are. Right. And what I do know is that when it really gets thick, when we need help for whatever it is, there are people down here who are going to help me, whether I know them right now or not. They show up. I actually don't know that about New Jersey. So, um, Wow. Yeah. That's a powerful thing to learn about your yeah. community. Yeah. It wasn't about you. No. It was about the people around you. Yeah. That's yeah. that. Wow. What an incredible yeah. uh, realization. That's the important takeaway for whatever I learned. Of course, I learned how strong I am, how strong my family is. 
I learned a lot about the human body, about my own body. Sure. Um, I learned a lot about uh, cancer in our community for black women. Um, I talk about it a lot. So, you know, there are all kinds of things that I could talk about. Of course. But that's one of the most important things because it's it's about you. It's about your concentric circles. Right. It's about the, the small circle immediately surrounding you and the next one and the next one and the next one. And I know so much more about some of those outer rings than I ever did before. And I feel safe here and I feel protected here. Excellent. Um, and even with everything going on now in the community, that's, that's an important thing as well. That was a realization that the fruits that you had, or the roots that you mm-hmm. had put down were now bearing yeah. fruit. Yeah. And all of the good things that you had done to people and the difference you had made in other people's lives, maybe without even realizing that you were doing right. it, had finally come full circle. Right. And that's, that's a, it was so strong for you that it made you, uh, Make a decision, you and your in, in Mark. Mm-hmm. Your make a decision for your family. Right. These are values. Are, this has impacted me so much that this village has come to help me. Yeah. That I want my kids to do this one day. So right. we're going to keep them and help this community raise them to have right. those values. Right. How strong is that? Right. Very it's cool. It's huge. And it and the important thing to 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 know and to say is that it was all kinds of people, it wasn't yeah. just black people. Yeah. It was everybody, right? White people, you name it. Anybody in our community, our small community, who heard about it, did something for us and for yeah. me, and that's a big deal. That's beautiful. And I, for all the listeners, we we say that we like to do things for for others, uh, but when you talk about the concentric circle, it's very easy for us to focus solely on mm-hmm. our business or our needs and only take care of us. But there's so much more available outside of that right. in, initial comfort zone. Right. And if you're looking for it, there are ways to help and be of service to others all of the time. Right. You can always find ways to give. And it doesn't true. necessarily have to be in money or time. It could be simply in in a compliment. Yeah. Right? It yeah. can go, you can shift someone's day. Earlier today, I was walking into Starbucks and beautiful, older black lady looked mm-hmm. at me and she said, wow, you are really handsome. And <laughs> there was no need for her to say that to me. Right. She was right. just going to give me coffee. Right. She was but, hitting on you. Yeah, I but, kidding. Hey, I, I didn't mind. <laughs> I didn't mind. Uh, but she looked at it. She just said that to me. There was no right. trigger for that. Right. And that shifted my day. Right. And it, it perked me up. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. It's so valuable to be able to give yeah, anything. anything. Anything at all. Anything. If you hear about somebody in need, the smallest things just lifted me. It was a card. It was a call. It was a text message. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do the big thing. Sometimes we're paralyzed, right? Because I, sure. I can't do the big thing. I can't get her dinner. I can't pick up the kids. But it was all the the other things too, everything right. in between that was amazing that people did for us. You know, talking to Mark and you know, there were his friends came around and they took him out for a beer or they went running or they whatever it is, yeah. all of those things mattered and all of those things added up to a level of support I never expected. Um I expected it from my family. I have a big family. There's twenty two cousins on my mother's side and they're everywhere and they showed up. I expected that, but I didn't expect that from people I didn't know. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Any um any advice for any individual that may be listening who has uh someone in their immediate circle who may be fighting cancer and may be in that battle where you have been. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice or maybe battling cancer themselves? Right. 
what can you look back uh, and who can you look back to who may have said made something that was said to you by a, a cancer survivor right. or right. someone else? Is there advice that you could um, give to them to help them through the, the time? Yeah, I, I, I tend to shy away from advice Okay, because every cancer is different, meaning you may have a certain type of cancer, but it's different because it's in your body. Right. Um, and so much of all um, healing, so much of it is mental and emotional. So your path to healing is going to be different than someone else's depending on your emotional state. Right. Depending on all of the things that we just talked about, like your support. Um, like your medical professionals in your life. Okay. There are so many variables. Every outcome is not going to be the same. Um, what I say about cancer, though, and a cancer diagnosis to any and everyone is um, be communicative. Say what you feel. Say what's on your mind. Okay. The more you can do that, the better off you're going to be. I saw someone, I wish I knew the name of this artist who created this line of cards she created a line of greeting cards um, for people who've been diagnosed with cancer or, or for people who know someone who's been diagnosed with cancer. And it was all the things that she, as a cancer survivor, wished people had said okay. or done differently. Okay. And um, so it would say things like, um, you know, <laughs> so you give a card to someone who's been diagnosed and it says things like, um, I'm sorry you were diagnosed with cancer. I don't know really what else to say beyond that, but I'm here for you. Right. So everything that we have now is so prescribed. It's so prescriptive. Thinking of you, praying right. for you, my thoughts are with you. It kind of feels empty. Sure. So what I encourage people is to say what's on your mind, just to to say and let people know. And if you don't know what to say to somebody who's been diagnosed, say that. Say. I really want to say something else to you, but I'm going to start crying so I can't do it. Right. Or... I really want to say something else to you, but I don't know what that should be. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. Or I really want, if you've been diagnosed, I really want to tell you more. I really want to tell you how scared I am, but I don't know where to start. Or I'm going to start crying. I think if we were all more honest about it, we would get past a lot of the nonsense faster. Right. And we could get about the business of healing. But there's so much that we are like, am I saying the right thing? I shouldn't say this. Um, how do I tell them this? Or, you know, I always thought that one of the cards that I saw should be, um, I'm sorry I looked at you like you were dying when you told me you had cancer. Because a lot of people do that when you tell them really? you've been diagnosed with cancer. Their first reaction is like, look, they look at you like you're going to die. Right. And that was the part that I hated the most. Um, that's why I eventually stopped telling people, you know, let them figure it out or sure. hear about it on their own. because. Sure. That look, there's a look that people give you as soon as you tell them you have cancer where they're basically writing you off. I don't think people know that Whoa. they're doing it, but it happens. Whoa. And then then the onus is on me to say, but I'm okay, but I'm getting treatment. It's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. And so I found myself in the position of comforting the person I just told. And that's a lot of work it for somebody who's been diagnosed oh, with cancer. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine that. I don't think people do it intentionally, sure. but because we don't understand, because we are so fearful, again, which is why I go back to faith, not fear, we immediately go there in our minds and you project what you're fearful of onto the person. So as much as I can talk about it, discuss it, I'm scared, I'm confused, I don't know what this means, um, 
I don't know what's going to happen. I'm learning as much as I can right now, though. Or tell me about that. What do you know so far? How can I help you? Right. You know, those are the things that we need to get to faster. Okay. That would be the that would be my only piece of, of advice. That's great advice. Yeah. Honesty and authenticity. Yeah. Period. Yeah. In, in most um, in most cases, if you're li- in your life, if you don't know the answer, you have to be honest. I, right. I, you know what? I don't know. Right. But what can I do? Right. What can right. I do? That that's almost an aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want to try to bend the truth to not hurt yeah. anyone's feelings, but maybe sometimes it's just, hey, I've got to get to the to the root of yeah. this, and this is exactly how I feel about it. And yeah. you know, how can we go from there? It's the hardest thing in the world for us to say, I don't know. Yeah. We don't want people to think that we don't know. We don't have the answer. Inferior. I think it has to do with how our our school system, how we are just wired to not ever be in a position as a student to say, I don't know the answer. We're made to feel like we always have to have the answer. Men are made to feel like they always have to have the answer in relationships and in life and taking care of their families. Women are made to feel like they always have to have the answer, you know, as a mother, as an employee. I just, I can't ever be in a position to say, I don't know. But I think we need to give ourselves permission to do that more, to say that more, because that gives you the opportunity to learn. I try to do that as much as I can at work. I have people coming to me a lot for the answer. Yeah, yeah. I don't always have the answer. And every now and then I have to remind myself that it's okay for me to say as SVP, executive creative director, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that, but sure. I'll find it. Right. I'll figure it out. How long do you have? Give it me a little me bit. A I'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> right. And I think that if we could learn to do that in all ways at all times. Now, you can't say it a lot. Of course. Of course. <laughs> say it every now and then. Right. And it, give yourself a break. A good balance for faking exactly. it until you make it and then exactly. being really authentic. Yeah. I guess that goes yeah. to the the point of the amount of comfort that you have right. with the individual that you're right. working with, right? right? That, right. that makes a big difference, right. a big, big difference. Um, you're, you're the brains of this family. You are you brains of the yeah. operation. You, listen, you're the yes. brains of a lot of operations. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. No pressure. Isn't it? No pressure. You don't perceive it as pressure. No, it is a lot of pressure. I mean, it's, it's a lot of pressure, pressure, especially as a mother, when somebody's coming to you for the answer yeah, all the time, right? Sure. There's, or as a parent, um, I should say that. That's a lot of pressure. And I think as parents, too, we have to give ourselves the, the chance to say, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, but I like it, right? Um, I like the um, adrenaline of, of needing to figure it out at work. Um, I like right now there's a lot of pressure on. But the last thing I said to someone in an email just earlier was, you know what? We'll figure it out. We'll be fine put a lot of smart people together in a room, they are going to figure it out, especially if that's their job, yeah. right? So everybody just take it down a notch. We'll get to it. We will figure it out. We'll end up with a solution. Um, at home, the same thing. Now, I'm very blessed that since that time, I've lost uh, my mother, I've lost my father, diagnosed with cancer, um, battled that. Now I know I can get through stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I can do it. With God's help, I can get through stuff. Yeah. So I don't have to be afraid okay. of things. That's life. Things are going to happen to you because sure. that's what life is. And you need to be able to say, in the end, I saw it, I faced it, I conquered it. And I'm now on the other side of that. And I can tell other people what it's like when they're about to go through that. Right? That's that's where ultimately we all need to get to. And that's another reason why I started Faith Not Fear is because 
you know, as a, as a hashtag, um, really to support our, our fundraising campaign, but really as a mission and as a statement, because it's true in every aspect. Yeah. Can't be afraid to go out there on the field and face, you know, your rivals. You can't be afraid to get out there on that stage. You can't be afraid to start your own business. You can't be afraid to start your own nonprofit. You're never going to get there if you give in to that. Sure. Right. Just replace that fear with a little bit of faith, just a teeny bit. And you're halfway there. And faith is action. Yes, isn't it's true. It? It's, it's true. action. It's true. Just taking a small yeah. step, mm-hmm. albeit mm-hmm. if it's yep. small, just yep. take a step. Yeah. Man, what an incredible way to to mention how we get paralyzed in that regard. Where can people find your initiative? Yeah. Does it still exist? Where does it exist? How do we? Yep. How do we? Mm-hmm. How do it we support does. that? It does. So I have a team with the American Cancer Society. I chose that as my organization of choice. Uh, mostly because it's not just breast cancer, but it's all types of cancer. And so many people in my family and my friends have been affected by cancer. So I chose to support the American Cancer Society. And the name of my team is Faith Not Fear. So if you look that up, the Making Strides um, breast cancer event is the one specifically for breast cancer. So if you look that up and you look up my team name, hashtag Faith Not Fear, you'll find it and you can donate. And we're back at it again this year. I think all total, we have raised close to $20,000 Wow! for yeah for the American Cancer Society. And that's nothing small. Nothing so, small. Wow. <laughs> I'm proud of that. I would, uh, I would challenge the listenership. Guys, if you've got an opportunity and you have the resources and the availability to be able to reach out and affect mm-hmm. lives, um, faith not fear. Where else can the listeners who have obviously uh, enjoyed your story and listening, where, where can we find you others? Yeah, so um, Twitter, which I don't tweet much. Um, Instagram, though, love that. H Keats Wright, that's my handle for everything. LinkedIn, look me up if you have um, information, career advice, you're a creative, you're a writer, you're an editor, you're a visual artist, and you're looking for an outlet. Uh, the name of my agency is Pace. We're based in Greensboro, North Carolina. We um, service really large clients, but I have a huge team, 120 plus people of creatives that I know and work with every day, people who are doing amazing work. So if you're that type of person and you're trying to figure out how you can make money um, doing something that you love, that you're passionate about, I have writers, editors, illustrators, videographers, photographers, all of those people on my team, and they're, each and every one of them is amazing. Um, so if you're looking for that type of thing, look me up. Definitely reach out to Heather Keats Wright. I know that she is passionate to engage with individuals who have similar stories to share, and she's always looking to grow the community of faith, not fear, so that she can grow her impact within the Breast Cancer Society. We want to continue to bring you episodes with guests that are of extreme value. So continue to shoot us stories, continue to share like, and comment. If you could, get on over to the iTunes store and leave us a review. Let us know just how creating space is impacting your life. I really enjoy engaging with you guys on social media and seeing how you're impacted by the show and how you're inspired to continue to go chase the best version of yourself. Mindset Monday's coming on Monday. Make sure you have a great, safe weekend. I wish you nothing but the best. Celebrate those victories and keep yourself focused on faith, not fear.